Welcome to Bite at a Time Books Behind the Story, where we answer the questions you have about your favorite classic authors. What inspired your favorite author to write their novels? What was going on in the world at the time? Follow along with us as we tell you what was happening in the world while your favorite authors wrote your favorite classics. My name is Bree Carlisle, and I love to read and wanted to share my passion with listeners like you. If you want to know what's coming next and vote on upcoming books, sign up for our newsletter at biteatatimebooks.com. Be sure to follow my show on your favorite podcast platform so you get all the new episodes. You can find most of our links in the show notes, but also our website, biteatatimebooks.com, includes all of the links for our show, including to our Patreon to support the show and YouTube, where we have special behind the narration of the episodes. We're part of the Bite at a Time Books Productions Network. If you'd also like to hear a book by the author, check out the Bite at a Time Books podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Today we'll be talking about the early writing and travels of Robert Louis Stevenson. Literary and Artistic Connections Stevenson was visiting a cousin in England in late 1873. Stevenson was 23 when he met two people who became very important to him, Fanny, Frances Jane Sitwell, and Sidney Colvin. Sitwell was a 34-year-old woman with a son, who was separated from her husband. She attracted the devotion of many who met her, including Colvin, who married her in 1901. Stevenson was also drawn to her and they kept up a warm correspondence over several years, in which he wavered between the role of a suitor and a son. He addressed her as Madonna. Colvin became Stevenson's literary advisor and was the first editor of his letters after his death. He placed Stevenson's first paid contribution in the portfolio, an essay titled Rhodes. Stevenson was soon active in London literary life, becoming acquainted with many of the writers of the time, including Andrew Lang. Edmund Gossie and Leslie Stephen, the editor of the Cornhill magazine, who took an interest in Stevenson's work. Stephen took Stevenson to visit a patient at the Edinburgh Infirmary named William Ernest Henley, an energetic and talkative poet with a wooden leg. Henley became a close friend and occasional literary collaborator, until a quarrel broke up the friendship in 1888, and he's often considered to be the inspiration for Long John Silver in Treasure Island. Stevenson was sent to Minton on the French Riviera in November 1873 to recuperate after his health failed. He returned in better health in April 1874 and settled down to his studies. But he returned to France several times after that. He made long and frequent trips to the neighborhood of the Forest of Fontainebleau, staying at Barbizon, Grecher, Loing, and Nemours and becoming a member of the artist colonies there. He also traveled to Paris to visit galleries and the theaters. He qualified for the Scottish Bar in July 1875, aged 24, and his father added a brass plate to the Harriet Rowe House reading R.L. Stevenson Advocate. His law studies did influence his books, but he never practiced law. All his energies were spent in travel and writing. One of his journeys was a canoe voyage in Belgium and France with Sir Walter Simpson, a friend from the Speculative Society a frequent travel companion and the author of The Art of Golf, 1887. The trip was the basis of his first travel book, An Inland Voyage, 1878. Stevenson had a long correspondence with fellow Scott J.M. Barry. He invited Barry to visit him in Samoa, but the two never met. Marriage 
The canoe voyage with Simpson brought Stevenson to Grez sur Loing in September 1876, where he met Fanny Vandegrift Osborne, 1840 to 1914, born in Indianapolis. She had married at age 17 and moved to Nevada to rejoin husband Samuel after his participation in the American Civil War. Their children were Isabel, or Belle, Lloyd, and Hervey, who died in 1875. But anger over her husband's infidelities led to a number of separations. In 1875, she had taken her children to France, where she and Isabel studied art. By the time Stevenson met her, Fanny was herself a magazine short story writer of recognized ability. Stevenson returned to Britain shortly after this first meeting. But Fanny apparently remained in his thoughts, and he wrote the essay on falling in love for the Cornhill magazine. They met again in early 1877 and became lovers. Stevenson spent much of the following year with her and her children in France. In August 1878, she returned to San Francisco and Stevenson remained in Europe, making the walking trip that formed the basis for Travels with a Donkey in the Savannas, 1879. But he set off to join her in August 1879, age 28, against the advice of his friends and without notifying his parents. He took a second-class passage on the steamship Devonia, in part to save money, but also to learn how others traveled and to increase the adventure of the journey. He then traveled overland by train from New York City to California. He later wrote about the experience in The Amateur Immigrant. It was a good experience for his writing, but it broke his health. He was near death when he arrived in Monterey, California, or some local ranchers nursed him back to health. He stayed for a time at the French Hotel located at 530 Houston Street, now a museum dedicated to his memory called the Stevenson House. While there, he often dined on the cuff, as he said, at a nearby restaurant run by the Frenchman Jules Semenu, which stood at what is now Semenu Plaza. Several years later, he sent Semenu an inscribed copy of his novel, Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, 1886, writing that it would be a stranger case still if Robert Louis Stevenson ever forgot Jules Semenu. While in Monterey, he wrote an evocative article about the old Pacific capital of Monterey. By December 1879, age 29, Stevenson had recovered his health enough to continue to San Francisco, where he struggled all alone on 45 cents a day and sometimes less, with quantities of hard work and many heavy thoughts, in an effort to support himself through his writing. But by the end of the winter, his health was broken again, and he found himself at death's door. Fanny was now divorced and recovered from her own illness, and she came to his bedside and nursed him to recovery. After a while, he wrote, my spirit got up again in a divine frenzy, and has since kicked and spurred my vile body forward with great emphasis and success. When his father heard of his 28-year-old son's condition, he cabled him money to help him through this period. Fanny and Robert were married in May 1880. She was 40. He was 29. He said that he was a mere complication of coffin bones, much fitter for an emblem of mortality than a bridegroom. He traveled with his new wife and her son Lloyd north of San Francisco to Napa Valley and spent a summer honeymoon at an abandoned mining camp on Mount St. Helena, today designated Robert Louis Stevenson State Park. He wrote about this experience in the Silverado Squatters. He met Charles Warren Stoddard, co-editor of the Overland Monthly and author of South Sea Ideals, who urged Stevenson to travel to the South Pacific, an idea which returned to him many years later. 
In August 1880, he sailed with Fanny and Lloyd from New York to Britain and found his parents and his friend Sidney Colvin on the wharf at Liverpool. Happy to see him return home. Gradually, his wife was able to patch up differences between father and son and make herself a part of the family through her charm and wit. England and back to the United States. Stevenson shuttled back and forth between Scotland and the continent, finally settling in 1884 in the Westbourne district of the southern English seaside town of Burnmouth in Hampshire. Stevenson had moved there to benefit from its sea air. They lived in a house Stevenson named Scarivore after a Scottish lighthouse built by his uncle Alan. From April 1885, 34-year-old Stevenson had the company of the novelist Henry James. They had met previously in London and had recently exchanged views and journal articles on the art of fiction, and thereafter in a correspondence in which they expressed their admiration for each other's work. After James had moved to Burnemouth to help support his invalid sister Alice, he took up the invitation to pay daily visits to Scarivore for conversation at the Stevensons' dinner table. Largely bedridden, Stevenson described himself as living like a weevil in a biscuit. Yet despite ill health, during his three years in Westbourne, Stevenson wrote the bulk of his most popular work, Treasure Island, Kidnapped, Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, which established his wider reputation, A Child's Garden of Verses and Underwoods. Thomas Stevenson died in 1887, leaving his 36-year-old son feeling free to follow the advice of his physician to try a complete change of climate. Stevenson headed to Colorado with his widowed mother and family. But after landing in New York, they decided to spend the winter in the Adirondacks at a cure cottage now known as Stevenson Cottage at Ceranic Lake, New York. During the intensely cold winter, Stevenson wrote some of his best essays, including Pulvis at Umbra. He also began the Master of Ballantrae, and lightheartedly planned a cruise to the Southern Pacific Ocean for the following summer. Thank you for joining Bite at a Time Books behind the story today, while we answered some of the questions you have about one of your favorite classic authors. Again, my name is Bree Carlisle, and I hope you come back next time for more information about one of your favorite classic authors. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at biteatatimebooks.com. Check out the show notes or our website, biteatatimebooks.com, for the links for our show.